0: Of the Crimson Corner. I am your host, Michelle Bodkin, your Utah Youth Insider for KSLSports.com. And my guest this week is a good friend of mine. Uh, you maybe will remember him. He actually played for Stanford a few years back. Uh, and now you can sometimes hear his silky smooth voice on the Pac 12 networks calling some games, Jordan Watkins. Jordan, how are things going?
1: Oh, things are going well, and i tell you what, for the most part, I think if you're a Utah fan, you might remember me more so for calling games than you will for being on the field, but uh, no, I had a chance to call a couple of uh, Utah softball games these last few years, and that's been a bunch of fun, but how, how have you been?
0: Oh, it's, it's you know, it's busy. It's It's that time of year where there's like four, three or four different things going on at the same time, and you're supposed to keep track of every single one of them, and <laughs> You would think it's not that hard having, you know, your entire job just be that, and it actually is incredibly hard. There is stuff that sneaks up on me all the time, and I'm totally just like, get
1: it. "How totally did that get happen?" It. Right.
0: <laughs> but I mean let's let's talk about happier things than you know <laughs> the the absolute zoo that work can sometimes be. We have a great foot well I don't know maybe you might have a different opinion I love it when Utah and Stanford play each other it's typically Mm -hmm. been a very good game uh lately maybe not so much uh you know what are your initial thoughts heading into this weekend with Utah football and Stanford football meeting up in Rice Eccles
1: yeah you know it's pretty funny that you you brought up the phrase of happier things i think maybe happier is is one-sided but uh maybe happier for me right but no i'll say this i mean even when i was when i was still at stanford and playing the one thing i always used to think about utah is you know for us at stanford i didn't think that there was a more physical team in the conference than than how we played but if there was a team that was in the running for it it was utah that, that was it. It was Stanford and Utah. There was nobody else that was on that level of physicality. And, you know, it's just year in and year out, I get so, I'm so impressed with what Coach Witt and his staff, what they're able to put together, because, you know, if you look at the recruiting rankings and all this stuff, yeah, Utah usually is not going to pop off to you, but they are probably, I'd say, outside of Alabama the last decade plus, they've been the most consistent program in college football. Uh, And I I, I stand on that. Um, Now, in terms of this weekend, it's going to be, I mean, honestly, it might be tough for us. Um, It's a very tough place to play. I know, you know, the must, they get going, they get loud and rowdy. And, you know, Stanford, uh, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. I mean, even last game, I think in the first three or four plays, they had three or four defensive starters go out. Um, They've been dealing with some things on the offensive line, some of their... I think the top three, two or three running backs now are out probably maybe the rest of the year. Um, so it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a challenge. But, uh, you know, sometimes, especially in this conference, we know how crazy this conference can be. Uh, when things look bleak or they look kind of grim, that's usually when some of the biggest performances and best performances come out. So it'll be interesting to see. But, I mean, obviously, if you look at it on paper, and especially what Utah did to us last year, um, It'll be tough. It's going to be a tough game for sure.
0: In fairness, Utah is also dealing with their rash of injuries. It's a little unknown. Exactly. Most of them have not been season ending injuries, but you still have guys sitting out or resting or playing still, but they're not quite to their Mm -hmm. full capabilities. And those can all kind of add up and, and equate to you know maybe evening the playing field or or being a disadvantage uh so it just it's kind of sounding like it's a matter of maybe who, who's the healthiest
1: yeah no I mean that's a good point because I know for y'all obviously I think even the Washington State game a few weeks back I think Cameron Rising didn't play in that game um Tavion Thomas didn't play in that game I think uh was it I know, like, obviously y'all have two phenomenal tight ends. You probably have the best tight end group in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a while, I think it was Brant Keithy who has been, or was it Dalton? I, I can Brant's
0: been out for a while now. Yeah,
1: Brant's been out for a while. And then I think Dalton also got hurt pretty recently in a game too. Mm-hmm. But that's what's honestly has impressed me so much about Utah this year is the fact that, you know, if you, if you went into this year, what are the things that you would say that are going to make sure that they're uh, successful? you know the defense is going to bring it obviously their secondary is really good Clark Phillips has been leading the way with that I actually think he got hurt um was it a couple of games ago too
0: I I think he got a little stinger yeah Uh, uh, he's continued to be out on the field so whatever it is Mm -hmm. wasn't that serious right but it it didn't look like it felt great in the moment so exactly
1: but (laughs) I mean, even with that, like they still found a way to make things work. I think on offense, again, it's the running game, and then of course you need to make sure you can control those tight ends. And so even when they get hurt, they find a way to still make things happen and make things work. I think it's just a testament to, you know, the I can't even say the the foundation that Wit is building because he's already built it, mm-hmm. but you see the the benefits of it, right, with all those injuries that they sustained to key players and key positions, but the the engine just keeps rolling.
0: What do you think it's been about Stanford the past few years that's gone wrong? Because it, at least for a lot of people on the outside, they look at this thing and they're confused by it. But I think those that are a little more in the know are not as confused.
1: No, that's that's a good question. I think at the end of the day, it's part of the, it's the mentality. The reason why I say that is, you know, um, when I was there, and even before I was there, some of those teams before me, there was you know, we had those things in terms of partying the backfield, um, rager in the end zone. That was one that the offense kind of came up with. <laughs> there was um, intellectual brutality. You know, those were all the things that were kind of our calling card. And remember, I told you at the beginning, it was Stanford and Utah. Those are the two teams that were at the top in terms of physicality in the conference. But now I feel like it, you can talk about there are a lot of other teams that have really. Either matched us or maybe have surpassed us in that regard. Whether that's Oregon, uh, UCLA, uh, you know the list kind of goes on with that. And you know I think that's kind of been the big thing. right like, I think for most teams in the past, when you play Stanford, you would still feel it that next game. Like it'd still be hurting. You know maybe some people don't want to practice as much because they got to be in the hot tub or whatever the case may be, and as of late these last few years, um, I don't know if that's been fully the case anymore.
0: Tanner McKee is a guy that NFL scouts love. Uh, I don't know that, again, for the average person that necessarily shows up in game time, what is it about Tanner McKee that sticks out to people uh, with, I think, maybe a stronger football knowledge?
1: Sure. No, I think every... For Tanner McKee, there, there are about, I'd say, four or five throws every game that he will make where it just pops to you. It's like, wow, how did he get in that window? Or how did he make this happen? I mean, obviously with Stanford, I mean, I talked about Utah and how well they use their tight ends. Well, that's also been a calling card for Stanford for the last, it almost feels like 20 years, right, in terms <laughs> of, you know, using Kobe Flaner, Levine Lolo, Austin Hooper, Dalton Schultz, um, and now obviously it's been uh, Benjamin Urasek. And there's certain throws where on the middle of the field, he'll find that seam and just hit it. And it's like, how did, you, how did you do that? Uh, and I think that's the thing for him. You know, he's not the most athletic guy in terms of he's going to run all over the field and beat you that way. But he has his moments sometimes where he can help expand the play. Like he's athletic enough to make it happen. But there are just certain throws that he makes every once in a while, and it, it is, really is one of those, you know, there's only a handful of people in the country that can make that throw, and he's one of them. That, that's really what makes him stand out.
0: Who else is standing out on this Stanford roster?
1: I think, especially as of late, uh, David Bailey, the defensive end, uh, number 23, uh, he's a freshman. And I remember even before the season started, I went to a practice and I talked to Coach Reynolds, who's a D-line coach. I talked to Coach Shaw. And they both raved about him so much. And in terms of not even just the athletic ability, the mental process that he already has as a freshman in terms of, okay, maybe this pass rush move isn't working. What's the counter? that I need to have, or if this uh, offensive lineman is a high puncher, low puncher, what move's going to work against him? He already has that now. And obviously with, you know, more time, more time in the weight room more time in the field, he's only going to get better and better. So it's, he's really impressed me. And I think even lately with the more injuries that Stanford has had and had to deal with lately, he's flashed even more. So you can already kind of see that 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 learning process and that growing curve. It's, it's really ascending for him. So I'm really excited to see how the rest of his career is going to go.
0: Not a lot has gone right for Stanford this year. <laughs> However, Notre Dame went very well. And I think that surprised a lot of people. What was it about that game that has maybe, or maybe worked better for Stanford than some of the other games they played in this season?
1: Well, I think, and it kind of started that game, and it's been trending this way. You saw a lot more pressure on the quarterback. They they found ways, whether it's been blitzing, whether it's been up front with the with the front four or three or you know whatever the the defensive grouping calls for. They're finding ways to win up front, and that and that's been a huge thing. Uh, obviously, now in this game against Utah, it's going to come down to the run game and how well they can stop the run. Uh, because I think last year was it, they put up over 400 yards on the ground against us. Yeah, it was
0: like 500 yards.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you know that's going to be the big ordeal for them, and obviously I'm sure that's going to be the game plan for them is make sure we stop the run first and foremost. Well, knowing the 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 heads the the minds in that meeting room, that's always thing number one to stop the run, but it's going to be a, a special emphasis this week, and which, of course, sometimes that leaves you uh, susceptible for the big pass play. But um, I think you know, that's going to be the big thing for them is you know stop the run and then go from there. Uh, but as of late, I would say the big things that have been helping the most is they found a way to get a pressure. get pressure. I mean, they did it against uh, Notre Dame, like you mentioned. They did it against Arizona State. For the most part, they even did it against Oregon State. But, of course, if you watch that game on ESPN, there was that last – Pass play that really just changed everything in that game, but that's been the big the big change for them as of late.
0: Where do you think this team goes from here after twenty twenty two? There again, there's kind of been a lot of speculation. Does Stanford make a change? Do you see that happening at all, or you know, are are they going to stick with it? Because I think, in a lot of ways, people don't understand or appreciate that Stanford is kind of a tough place as well to develop a culture, find the correct kind of coaching staff uh, just because there are standards that other places do not have?
1: No, sure. That's a, that's a good question. Um, Honestly, I, I think for the most part, I don't see or foresee too many changes happening. And the reason again, why I say that is because, I mean, if you look at their team. In certain places they are very experienced. Mm-hmm. You know, going into the year, I think the reason why there was so much optimism, especially for the offense, was you had all these experienced skill players coming back. You know, the offensive line last year, while they were really young, they were gonna have experience in the be back this year. And now that you have that experience, you can really get running and rolling. Uh but you know, throughout the year they had some issues and injuries up front. Uh Michael Wilson just went down a couple of weeks ago. EJ Smith's been out for a while. Casey Filkins is out. So it's, it's. I, I understand from a certain standpoint, it's kind of tough to evaluate it in that regard. And then also, of course, you know, that's, I'm saying this from, you know, the top down, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's one of your own in terms of Koshaw. That, that's one of your own. And obviously he's had success in the past at Stanford. So it, it's, it's tough to tell. It's not just a clear cut, Okay, no, you had this healthy team, you had everything in front of you, you had everything there to succeed. Um, and you just didn't make it happen. That that wasn't the case, unfortunately, this year. So I don't know if anything's gonna change or how much things might change. It's it's a tough call, really.
0: What are you expecting in this game come Saturday?
1: What am I expecting? Honestly, at least from the Stanford front, I am expecting nothing but Hellacious effort. I think last week, if you listen to some of the uh, post-game press conferences after they played Washington State, they you know they were talking about ego. They were you know talking about pride, things like that. And obviously, as any competitive human, if pride and ego start coming up, you, know, you want to respond to that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think you know Stanford. This is going to be the the hardest game in terms of just the effort they give that they'll play this year. Now, that being said, again, I think that Utah is the better team. So, you know, Utah will win, but I think in a game like this, it's one of those things where if Stanford, you're looking for anything and everything possible to come out of this game, let's take these positives. Um, whether it's, you know, we played them close or we had success in this area, that area. And, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, because it's the it's Pac-12 and this is how we roll, in the fact, well, little after uh, dark. Little after dark. A little
0: after dark madness.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we all know. I mean, who knows? I Maybe mean, the lights go off again. Uh I mean, you never know. Like we saw that in Washington, Oregon State just uh the last week, right? The the power went out. But Stanford at the end of the day, too, like this is also important. Their bowl eligibility is on the line this game. Mm-hmm. They have to win the, their last three games to be bowl eligible. So you, you really just don't know. I, I really just fully expect well, at the end of the day that it's going to be the best effort, you know, whether the technique and X's and O's are right or wrong, I can't answer that, but you'll see it on tape in terms of they're flying around and playing hard.
0: I'm going to throw you under the bus here. Uh, you've, uh, you've expressed to me that you have been to every Pac-12 venue except for <laughs> Rice Eccles Stadium.
1: I know. I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I should have seen this coming. (laughs) I will say this. I want to. I really do. Um, It just worked out that obviously when I was playing for Stanford, I didn't travel when we went, I think it was my sophomore year. It was my sophomore year when we went down there. I didn't travel that game. Uh, So I'm still trying to find a way to make it down there. I've heard so many good things about the game day atmosphere. Obviously, especially the last few years, um, unfortunately, the reason why, you know, the passing of Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe, like, you know, but I, I've seen the videos of all the tributes that, you know, the, the Utah fan base makes for them. Um, it's it's something truly special down there. It really, truly is special. So I really do want to make it down there. I'm not avoiding it on purpose. I promise. <laughs> I promise I'm not.
0: Uh, I, because we kind of are rounding the corner into basketball season and you Mm -hmm. follow women's basketball, especially close, you know, what, what are you seeing out of the Pac-12 this season with women's basketball and where do you think like Utah and Stanford fall in, in that scenario since they were kind of the top dogs last
1: season? No, absolutely. I think that, uh, it's going to be another fun year in the Pac-12. I mean, no matter where you look, top to bottom in this conference there's so much talent i mean even one of the teams i think that was projected to finish in the the lower part of the conference right cal they had the freshman of the year basically or right up there in jada curry and she's going to be amazing again i think that you know obviously we're talking about utah right now they had the one the lone uh first place vote outside of stanford in the pac-12 which obviously means i think i know what coach voted for them um She might be a Hall of Famer, all-time winningest coach in women's basketball history, talking about Tara Vanderveer. But obviously, if she's voting for Utah to be first, because I know she can't vote for Stanford, that still speaks to what is there, right? Lynn Roberts has done a phenomenal job building that program. Gianna Needkins is incredible. Um, I mean, I remember watching her, obviously, in that uh, Pac-12 championship matchup against Stanford last year. And even a bit in the NCAA tournament, and you just see like there's something building there. Now she's in her sophomore year, that's going to be incredible. But I mean, uh, in terms of Stanford, you know, I called two games of theirs this week, and I called their exhibition against Vanguard last week. This might be the most versatile, most athletic roster that Tara's ever had.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, from top to bottom, they have multiple. Players, ball handlers that if they don't if they're not uh creating an opportunity scoring opportunity for themselves, they can do it for others. I mean, they have this one freshman uh talana lapolo, she's from the East Bay out here, and in her debut, I think she had ten or eleven assists and zero turnovers That's like one of four freshmen ever to do that like she's gonna be impressive, obviously we know they're the only team in the country that returns to all Americans with Haley Jones and Cameron Brink. Oh, yeah, by the way, they have the number one recruit coming in this year in Lauren, of that 6'7 post player who, uh, you know, she comes off the bench. I mean, imagine that, right, the number one recruit coming off the bench, mm-hmm. and they have a sixth player of the year who comes off the bench as well, the post and national corrective. So it's so – the team is so deep. I think the sky's the limit, and, I mean, we get to see them play South Carolina next Sunday on ABC. I can't wait for that game. I can't wait.
0: I, I, women's basketball in the Pac-12, I think, is very underappreciated and undervalued. So sure. I'm so glad someone like you is spending a lot of time and effort on it and really kind of knows it in and out. Uh and, and you know what? That kind of goes for the entire Pac-12 conference. Uh, and I, most people are not going to know this. You grew up in Atlanta in the heart of mm-hmm. SEC country.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: and you are a big time Pac-12 in general proponent. What What is it about this conference that you feel like makes it better than I think most people believe it is?
1: I just feel like, to an extent, people don't fully understand what is out here, and and here's what I mean by that. Like, even so, I, I go back to my senior year, and I'm saying that as in my fourth year because I was at Stanford for five years. Mm-hmm. That was the year that Christian McCaffrey was in the Heisman race. Now that year, there was a Heisman voter. I don't ask me what his name was. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but there was a Heisman voter that actually came out and said, "I did not stay up to watch." some of the Stanford games and see Christian play. I
0: remember this.
1: Uh, yep, exactly. Yep, I, remember I remember this. Mm-hmm, and I remember how mad and upset like Christian was for a while about that and just people not really paying attention to him. So you know, we fast forward. We played in that Rose Bowl game against Iowa that year. And literally, first play from scrimmage, um, Kevin Hogan who was our quarterback at the time. Hit Christian McCaffrey on the Texas route. Boom, Texas the end zone. And I just remember sitting there. It's like, all right. Are y'all paying attention now?
0: Right,
1: but that's the thing. I mean, even now, you look at how some of people, how some people across the country look at Bo Nix at Oregon, whereas we all know what uh, Bo Nix was at Auburn. You know, mm-hmm. I still pay attention to a lot of SEC football, whether it's you know my home my home state team or some of my friends. A lot of my friends went to Auburn, so you know I watched them, pull from them, all those things, but. Because he was so up and down at Auburn, now people see him having success in the Pac-12. It's just, oh, because he's in the Pac-12. And it's like, no, that's really not the case. I mean, we, I think right now, and I know I'm just speaking football specific, but like right now, I think the Pac-12 is tied, if not as the most uh, teams ranked in the college football playoff, you know, Um, because I think we have five.
0: Yes. you know, with, with yeah. uh, USC, Bucks,
1: UCLA, Oregon Utah State this week. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of good football that's being played out here. There are a lot of good sports in general that are played out here. And again, if you don't, if you disagree with that, look at some of the the NFL teams. Look at where they come from. One of the best safeties in the NFC West is Buda Baker from Washington. Mm-hmm. If you need a good DB, look no further than anything Utah puts out or Washington puts out. I mean, the Falcons, my team, again, I got to get ready to watch them in about an hour, which I'm not <laughs> ready for that headache. But where is their quarterback from? Marcus Mariota is from Oregon. Uh, you know, you can just look all over and you see the Pac-12 influence anywhere you look. And so that's the thing for me. It's like, I get it. Yeah. I think to an extent, like the, it's been the easy jab to make jokes about the Pac-12. But again, if you don't really watch it or, or care to get an honest opinion about it you know that that's what happens
0: my last question for you if sure. there, are, there is a very very interesting race coming up here um not this weekend but the following weekend utah will be traveling to oregon mm-hmm. uh, usc will be traveling to you at ucla uh and those two games very likely are going to determine the Pac-12 championship game, this might be the most exciting round of determining who goes to the Pac-12 championship that we've probably ever had in this conference. How do you see this all playing out? Because I think all four teams Oof. are very, very similar in a lot of ways. I think their weaknesses and strengths are very similar. How, how does this play out?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, that's a really tough one. And first off, how great is it that the first year that we have this new uh structure for the the conference championship game, that this is how it all shapes out.
0: Or team race. Remember,
1: yeah, because remember exactly, it used to be, you know, just the the leader of the South versus leader of the north. Where I mean, if that was the case, you'd have a three team race in the South and then Oregon's kind of just chilling. Yeah. You know, <laughs> pending what they do against Washington, right? Mm-hmm. Um But no, I mean, I just think that right now, if I look at how teams are playing, I mean, I think Oregon's going to be in it. I I really do. I think that, again, the run that Bo Nix has been on as of late, and uh, I think that, you know, their defense is good enough. Mm -hmm. I can see them being there. Then you look at the South and, oh, my goodness, it's so difficult because I think for the most part, I would say, and most people wouldn't disagree with this, UFC probably has the most explosive offense mm-hmm. but we also know that their defense can be had yeah. i mean look at what cal did to them last week it, it's just a matter of if you don't let you uh usc turn you over then mm-hmm. you'll be you'll have some success on offense um ucla i mean it's a tough one because again they have that two-headed monster right dorian thompson robinson and quarterback who's playing his best football of his career and zach excuse me zach charbonnet who i mean good luck trying to tackle him with one person move the
0: chains and Charbonnet I want to make that a thing
1: see my thing had always been so you you remember the uh you remember the song I think it's a big Sean song
0: yes that's what I'm I'm playing off of move the chains there you go see
1: I always like like, whenever so whenever (laughs) I'm in the office right I always always say I just say Marvin Gaye and Charbonnet like that's just what I do (laughs) um but no like he I mean he is uh, so impressive um and of course they have one of the sack leaders in the conference in the country on defense as well so yeah it, it's it's tough I mean I don't know exactly how it's going to shape out outside of like I said I think Morgan's gonna be in the Pac-12 championship for sure
0: well good stuff my friend I appreciate you jumping on I will go yeah, ahead have... and we'll let you get back to your night uh get back to your Atlanta Falcons hopefully they do not fail you
1: Well, they did last week. Did you see that game they played against the Chargers or how it ended up?
0: I did not. I missed
1: that. Oh, it was bad. So it was tied late in the game. Shouldn't have been. But, again, Falcons are going to Falcon. Yeah. Um, Austin Eckler for the Chargers has the ball. He fumbles. We pick it up. One of our defense line picks it up. He starts running. Nobody touches him. He fumbles. No! Yes, (laughs) and the Chargers get it back. Justin Herbert, again, Oregon, like I said, good football being right, played out here all yes. the time. Um, gets the Chargers back in field goal position. They hit a game away field goal to end. Oh, it. It, was, it was the ultimate Falcons ending ever.
0: Oh. Well, hoping for a better result. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, thank you so much for jumping on. You have such amazing insight, not only into Stanford. But the Pac-12 in general, Uh, and I would love to have you come back on and maybe just talk more general Pac-12 stuff in the future.
1: You know, whenever you need me, I'm here for you.
0: All right. That was Jordan Watkins, everyone, former Stanford football player, now Pac-12 analyst, giving all of his insights into not only what's going to happen this coming weekend with football but a little preview into women's basketball and just how the conference in general is kind of playing out uh it's been an exciting year it is winding down sadly uh but crazy it's so crazy already so crazy we're already here we're already at this point uh but i am about out of time here so i will go ahead and sign off this episode of crimson corner This is Michelle Bodkin, your Utah Utes Insider for KSLSports.com. And as always, go Utes. I
1: ain't saying all that. (laughs) Oh, no, you didn't.